0: I'm Aaron Armstrong.
1: I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch. Gina Davis get a leading role, which is unfortunately rare as women over 40 start to be phased out in Hollywood.
0: Do you hear the song you played after that one? <laughs> um, On the lime and the coconut. <laughs> what does it fucking say? I was thinking like, uh, you know, I'm woman, hear me roar or something. Yeah, I'll probably, yeah, I'll, I'll figure I'll figure something out. Uh, you got time, so... you got time. We are we recording this way in advance. Yeah. You have, so, fun fact, so, you know, with Christmas season coming up, stuff like that, we try to get some of these episodes knocked out. So, it's our last uh, I was about to say Rennie Harlan movie. Uh, it's our last Shane Black movie we're doing for Shane Black month on We Love to Watch, uh, and it is the Long Kiss Goodnight. If you've never heard our podcast before, um, it is a podcast. It is the uh, if you look at the Guinness Book of World Records, they have a record for uh, the one the one millionth uh, two white guys host a movie podcast. Uh, we got that. We got that record. Yeah, um, Which sucks because – so, if you listen to the first movie podcast, you were like one of the people, early listeners. By law, you had to listen to every subsequent one. We're on the bottom end of that barrel because there's only a million and two uh, movie podcasts right now. Um, I don't think my earlier joke where I was talking about funneling ended up working. But hopefully that makes sense in your head ed, mm-hmm. or in your Ed. You're Mr. Ed. You're Ed TV.
1: Mm-hmm. I like Such funnel great... jokes.
0: Can we have more funnel jokes? Uh, yeah, they they make this their
1: cake sometimes. You really went in a different direction than I was expecting, and I'm really proud of you. Funnel cakes are delicious. One time, I was oh, in this high school, be a story. Ooh, and can I, I, went on, I went on a date, and a girl bought me a funnel cake, but I really wasn't all that into her. Um, but funnel cake was really good, so the date ended up working out pretty well, because funnel cake is delicious.
0: And it was free. It was free. And all you free. had to do was break down a person's heart, feelings, self-confidence. Yeah. Yeah. But like but, free you know, cake. But powdered sugar. Yeah. Powdered sugar, free cake. Yeah. So, we're, we're a movie podcast. We do, we do theme months. We say, hey, what's that theme that month? And we go, I don't know. Let's look in the old theme machine, and then we pick a theme. This week, it is Shane Black Christmas movies, which is about 50% of the movies he's been associated with, and then we talk about four random movies in that theme. Uh, It's really complicated. I think I sold it pretty well.
1: We are going to, 85 85 episodes in, going to start
0: explaining the show to you guys. Yeah, we decided, hey, you know what might be helpful if we ever have a new listener? They know what the fuck this is. Uh, (laughs) So... We're we're starting something. we started last week. We're gonna keep going with it. And but we are, because of Christmas, we are, as we mentioned, really pre-recording these things. So uh right now this is uh it is uh November uh sixth, uh, twenty sixteen. And we're we're pre-recording uh the episode now. So we're we're uh we're excited for Christmas. It's still a ways away. We're excited for the next president who's definitely gonna be Hillary Clinton. Uh Mm -hmm. And we're just riding high Mm -hmm. on life. (laughs) And Baby New
1: Year is going to be carried in by Hillary Clinton on that fateful election night. And Aaron, do you think that at any point in the next year, Nazis will march around the nation?
0: Honestly, I know the word gets used a lot, mainly in reference to a movie called uh, The Princess Bride. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say that is inconceivable to me. I mean, they are a punchline in video games and in movies, the idea that they could become some sort of uh, relegitimized political force and say, I don't know, the New York Times would run articles getting to know your friendly neighborhood Nazis. That sounds fucking insane to me as someone from November 6th, 2016. Mm -hmm. Because the New York Times is a liberal
1: rag and, of course, would never, ever stoop to giving Nazis a mouthpiece.
0: No, I mean, just the concept on its face is embarrassing that you would even bring it up as a question.
1: Yeah, I'm embarrassed, frankly. Um, So this episode is going to be on a little movie called Long Kiss. Good night. Uh, so so the Shane Black guy he's got two movies with Kiss in the title you think this guy likes to smooch? <laughs> is this you? are you trying to backdoor in a quiz?
0: <laughs> just
1: letting you sit on
0: it a little bit um, I mean most I think most people like to smooch and if you don't that's fine too I know I know some people are not fans of physical affection uh, like my wife since she met me um <laughs> but uh um but so yeah i I would say he's probably a fan of 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 smooching fun fact about him as well he also used the word uh bang twice in his movies the same movie do you think he likes to bang (laughs) i think he just likes so two bangs would be bangs Oh, my God. Do you think kiss, kiss, bang, bang is also for him like a double entendre to like first you kiss and then you bang? Probably. I mean, it's probably both guns and sex and both go boom, boom, boom goes the diamond. I mean, that's the two best things that you can have in life, both guaranteed by the Second Amendment. Um, Yes,
1: it's true. I think he probably just uh, at the time he was growing out an emo haircut and he just really wanted uh, to get out there that he was going to have bangs best way to tell people that you have bangs is make a movie with two bangs in the title. <laughs> Just two strands.
0: <laughs> first, first my barber uh, does a good cut, and then I give him a kiss-kiss, and then I go look at the mirror and my bang-bang. <laughs> then you give him, you gotta give him other kisses. But... You do you, you do side kisses. You do like, great work. I uh, mean, he's from LA. It's an LA thing. Yeah.
1: Um, those LA people they're so they're so european la is like the europe of southern california oh my god that blew my mind (laughs) hole right open (laughs) well put it all put it all back together so we can do the show oh okay just a hold on let me let me
0: do that hold on
1: (laughs) yeah do uh whatever jackie o was doing just get all your brains back in there
0: You know what's tough sometimes on the podcast is to wonder if you should derail everything to ask a reference be explained. (laughs) Uh, When JFK was shot in the head,
1: uh, oh, that Jackie O. She starts, she started scooping.
0: You know, um, I got brains. I got Jackie O confused momentarily with Sandra O. I'm like, (laughs) what? So the the person from Sideways, like, so there was a kind of a long pause where I'm like. Okay, I'm gonna get there. Let me think of other movies she's been in. (laughs) Sandra always short for Sandra Onassis, you're right. Yep. It's all the same family. She's the
1: last living Kennedy.
0: Yeah. No, that's how Connecticut works, people. But people don't think uh, of it because of racism. For shame. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, we are pre-recording this. It's actually December 6th, 2017, that we're recording our last Shane Black episode. Uh, I think it's been... So, weirdly, we've got to record all these in a eight-day time span. Um, and... I've had so much fun. I'm actually it really feels like it went by quickly for me because it literally did. Um, but uh, I'm because I'm of the facts I'm about passage of time because normally we would record over a time span of 28 days. Mm-hmm. Instead it's been 8 days. So uh, quick math uh, Zach was on last week he could have helped uh, but I would say it's somewhere between 50 and 100 uh, less days uh, and, um, and so yeah it's it, it has gone by quickly I'm kind of uh, bummed to to end so quickly there's not a ton of other Shane Black movies for us to do we may do another month or we may just try to work them into into other months here or there but this this has been so much fun and really my favorite revisit is is this one, uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight. I haven't seen it since I watched it for the first time when I was in high school, so late 90s. Um, I, I really liked it then. I loved it now. Uh, so what I thought was going to kind of be a, after three big guns, a little bit of a whimper of an ending, it turns out I think this will be a long, good kiss <laughs> into 2018. Thank you for <laughs> sort of setting
1: up our 2018 uh, with a smooch. Um, from Gina Davis, who's going to give us all the long kiss goodnight, which I think might be a bullet from a gun. Oh, you think so? (laughs) I think, I think, I think this is sort of a lethal weapon situation where it's
0: not all that it seems on the surface. Let me check my data processor here. See what it comes up with. Please do. Beep, boop,
1: boop, boop, beep, beep. I like that you programmed it to sound like you saying beep, boop, 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 beep.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I record all my own uh, tones in my phone. Um, ever since I learned how to do it through podcasting, I'm like, every one of my noises is going in here. You should see what a voicemail sounds like. It's me throwing them.
1: There's this special hell that's uh, just every voice you hear is your own. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've The thing is, I would be... Very prepared to handle that hell because I have to listen to my voice for hours every single week, mm-hmm. and what started out to be a chore is now slightly less of a chore.
1: Uh, it did get easier. That's uh, the secret of podcasting; is it makes you more comfortable with uh, getting up, uh, being ill prepared, um, <laughs> getting before up, you present, <laughs> getting up in the morning.
0: Um, uh, so yes, the, this is what I was looking up, and to your then own voice. this is what I was looking up. I got a little derailed because as you sometimes do when i'm like where do i need to go to find this answer wikipedia let me go to google and search for wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> i'm old and my brain is dying <laughs> uh, the kiss after lightning was going to be the sequel title A kiss after lightning yeah because there's lightning in this movie what 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 track is that following so and it was supposed to be announced james bond style where uh, Gina Davis will return in the Kiss After Lightning, sort of like the end of Super Mario Brothers, where um,
1: Daisy comes in. No, and I told like... you, it's like the end of a James Bond movie. It just yeah. says it on screen. There's, you don't need to get a different comparison. I that's I don't. I don't get that. Less
0: reference. accurate.
1: I don't get that reference. Uh,
0: can you relate it to maybe a live-action Super Mario Brothers movie? Okay, so you know how the end of Super Mario Brothers Daisy comes in and says, "This ain't no game." Uh, and everyone goes. Yes, this was a game, but the next one won't be no game. Um, As like a purpose, that, but the next one will not be a game. Next one's not going to be no fucking game. It's like that, except if it was written on the screen, and instead of all those all those things I said, it just said uh, Luigi and Mario will return in Super Mario Brothers Two. Uh, six golden coins. Wow. So take that. Okay. And then. Instead of all of those words, (laughs) change it to Charlie What's Her Face will return in the kiss after lightning. Uh, Um that's pretty cool. So was Daisy gonna be in that one or in the six golden coins or in the kiss after lightning? In kiss after lightning. You said it was just like I'm not sure. Obviously, you're confused. (laughs) I'm just not sure how tangled your confusion is at this point. Like, are you salvageable or are you just gone?
1: Uh, I think you're actually confused because you said it was just like a sequel to the Marios.
0: Um. I didn't. I didn't say that. You forced me to say that when I had to (laughs) re-explain it it on very specific terms that you had laid out. I mean, I said it, but, I mean, essentially at gunpoint. Did you not say it? Yeah, I said it. (laughs) So is
1: Daisy going to be in the sequel to Long Kiss Goodnight when they finally make it? And somehow Hollywood finds a way to make Gina Davis 40 again and decide they like
0: her again. Here's what's really funny. Uh this is the Wikipedia entry. Uh as of December 6, 2017 says a possible sequel had been in the works since 2007, but nothing definitive had been reported as of November 2017. So <laughs> whoever is whoever whoever's updating this Wikipedia page is like and he's like He's like changing uh, The time back on like the no accident Sent every single month he goes Sadly goes to the Wikipedia page And flips November 2017 to December 2017 and Still nothing
1: I just like that he just like this dude that's just been checking in with like Rennie Harlan and Shane Black every month for ever, for years, years and years and years. And they just assume that he's like a mentally ill man who will kill himself if he doesn't get this answer. So they're like, no, no word on the sequel. Bobby, he's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. I'll, I'll just go update the, the the Wikipedia page over here. Say, people are um, people are gonna want to know. <laughs> it's a chance, like, let me let me um save you some time. Uh, you can also update it the same way in December, in January, in February.
0: He's like, no, I'll I'll confirm with you in January. Don't worry. Let me just double check. I like to think that he d- confirms it by like he types in a uh, long kiss goodnight two into Google every month. He hits enter and he just like. You know that kind of thing where you're checking your bank balance, so you kind of like cover one eye. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I, I'm not ready to see this head on yet. And then, like, you back away and he, like, he looks, he scrolls down that first page of Google and he's like, ah, these are all the same pages I got in November of 2017. I guess it's time. To make the donuts, which for me is updating the month and year of the potential long Kiska night sequel, and when we haven't heard of it as of yet.
1: I would have loved. So here's the thing: this movie doesn't call for a sequel at all. It ends with a happy ending. This is just like Ripley and uh, yeah. Murtaugh and Riggs, where I'm like. Yeah, like, I like the sequels, but I would love if they left
0: these people the fuck alone at the end of the movie. <laughs> this would be even harder, too, because, like, the whole point is that she she basically spends half the movie as one person, and then, like, a fourth of the movie as another person, and then the last fourth having those two people, like, fuse. So what, what is the sequel? Just she's a spy now?
1: And it would have been, I mean, that they did that with the Bourne movies where, like, he gets awakened. They don't, like, re-amnesia him like a Death Wish movie or something. Like, it's not like in the first movie Jeff Goldblum gives him amnesia. And in the second movie, uh, Lawrence Fishburne gives him amnesia. Excuse me, Larry Fishburne, different actor.
0: Neither of those people are in the Bourne movies. I'm not quite sure what you're... Where 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 are these actors? They're 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 in Death Wish in the first movie.
1: He uh, Jeff Goldblum um, assaults Death Wish's family, and then in the second one, well, uh, Larry Fishburne assaults
0: his family. You know what? You know I've only seen part three, Peter. So it feels like you you <laughs> used a reference almost designed to hurt me. But that's <laughs> fine. It's Christmas.
1: I'm pretty sure at the um, end of that episode, you
0: promised other people to watch the rest of the movies. I promised other people will watch the rest of the... Yeah, no, I did. That was easy for me to promise. <laughs> I promise other people besides me will watch the other movies. movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, so movies. so Aaron, what do we Yeah, fucking, you do? I got a fucking... I don't know. I have a game. It's okay. a Christmas game because it's... <gasps> depending on when you edit this, this is either going to come out on Christmas Day, the day before Christmas, the day after Christmas. It's a Christmas mystery. Oh, um, oh, oh. I hope... That somehow we get into a big, uh, as big of a fight as we did in our last Christmas episode, which was the first time where our sighs were not uh, in jest, but they were serious frustration at the dynamic the show was taking. As Krampus.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I want to have a, a fight
0: with you every year. Do you want to have a fight about this movie? I'm pretty sure we're pretty much on the same page, but do you want to. Yeah, wanna... it's going to be. A, I guess we kind of did it for Iron Man 3. That's going to have tied us over. But. Uh, so I have a Christmas... On, on, on the listen, Iron Man 3 was pretty gentle. Yeah, it was really gentle. <laughs> 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 um, um, so, yeah, I have a quiz, I guess. Uh, it's a Christmas quiz. It has nothing to do with the long kiss goodnight. It has everything to do with Christmas, which is what Shane Black is about. So basically, it's exactly about the long kiss goodnight. And what these are, Peter, is facts about Santa, true or False. These are facts that I have done some studying, done some research, found some true facts about Santa, and then to kind of slip you up a little bit, threw in some not-so-true facts of Santa. And to uh, to make my terms a little more clear, as uh, spoiler alert, Santa's not real, uh, the true facts what? that I'm referring to is anything that... Just fast forward through that part when you listen. He's uh, <laughs> The uh, the facts about Santa are just facts that book. have been. <laughs> yeah, no, that's how it works. Try not uh, to get the acid in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, just re- just rewind it, like <laughs> funny games. Uh, the so these these are facts about the myth of Santa, the person inspired by Santa, or Santa type stories across uh, different cultures. So yeah, that's what it is. And then you're gonna say true or you're gonna say false. True. Well, I, that, that, that remains to be seen, so I can't answer that one as <laughs> right or wrong yet. Um, but we'll circle back to it after all these questions and see how you did on that one. Uh, you ready to begin, uh, Santa Facts? Uh, yeah, let's let's kick off these Santa Facts. First one. Santa's reindeer were born of a terrifying, immortal warhorse. Uh, true. That is true. Uh, they, uh, those reindeer and that story Comes from the Germanic conflation Of Odin and the Norse gods With the historical uh, Saint Nicholas Wow so those were like Those were war horses Oh yeah no they were I haven't seen war horse but that's – it's a Christmas movie as far as I know and, a, and about 100% this. Well, yeah. Uh,
1: most families – it goes back to the old uh, Christmas tradition that a family uh, tortures a horse with uh, barbed wire every Christmas. and yeah. In that sense – Torture wars, a
0: horse. Of course. Of course. <laughs> it's what the song, the song said. <laughs>
1: uh, you torture a horse and then you of don't course. eat it. You leave it to rot in the yard until no. um, the epiphany. Yeah uh, and then you throw it away and, and of course get a new horse so that you can torture and maim on the christmas and it's it's sort of a cyclical system it teaches uh, children about the seasons
0: <laughs> yeah no norwegians are crazy yeah uh no way <laughs> am I going over there, man <laughs> wow. Oh, I'll sweeten you somewhere else <laughs> That one didn't work as well <laughs> You can oh, sweeten the deal by sending you me Can you tell help. this is our last episode of the year, essentially mm-hmm. As far as you're concerned mm-hmm. uh, As far listen, as aren't... you're concerned <laughs> Yeah, we may be recording other stuff
1: But you wouldn't fucking know Like you're saying, there's going to be episodes we're going to keep from people I don't yeah. intend to do that
0: that's just, for daddy. I, that's just for Daddy. which is which is my father, not myself. He <laughs> likes he likes personalized episodes, and he pays us well. Uh, number number two, he was a staunch opponent of cannibalism. Uh, false. <laughs> that is true. Uh, Saint Nicholas. Was not just an opponent of cannibalism, as most people are, especially people who eventually become saints. Mm-hmm. He wasn't wishy-washy on the whole, should I eat human flesh question. <laughs> uh, he was staunch. He was like, no, don't eat that person. I'm Santa Claus. But what if it's that man's wish to be eaten?
1: No! No! Hmm. Santa be doesn't in the grant the money wishes for sure. Santa doesn't grant wishes. <laughs> this guy sounds like a real, you know, Krampus to me, or at least a I Krampus.
0: A I think we're learning a little bit about him. Mm-hmm. Um, Pinocchio. The story was originally uh, inspired as uh, a book designed to uh, codify the Santa myth. Pinocchio. Yep. Yeah. Sure. That was false. Uh, I thought you would get it by the fact that it didn't sound like I was reading, but just making it up as I went. <laughs> that's where they get you. Um, <laughs> Not me, but that's because where they I, I decided to, to realize, like, I need to uh, probably add one more false thing. I'll try it first. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, no, that's incorrect. Uh, his job used to be performed by a goat. False. That is true. Uh, a magical true being called false? the you No, it's it's true that it's was true. <laughs> so there used to be a magical being to called, every time. Called the called the Yule goat. Once again, this is from um Norway. Okay. Norway, Norway. am I going to sit on a (laughs) goat's lap? So I like that uh, Norway eventually adopted uh, the Santa mythos, but it's like, okay, but we're still doing some crazy shit with the livestock. (laughs) Just FYI. Um, He doesn't just like milk and cookies, but enjoys a nice mince pie, sherry or beer or rice porridge. Uh, True. That's true. Different cultures. Sometimes give him different things, kind of like you can go to England ahoy matey <laughs> and, and get like fish on oh. your pizza. Oh,
1: chimney sweep <laughs> you've never been out of Minnesota, have you? Uh, you
0: mean the earth no Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a statewide proving pizza. show <laughs> all right um. Next one. If you're a good boy and ask really nice, he can make someone fall in love with you. True. 100% true. If you're a good boy and you ask really nice, he can make someone fall in love with you. Uh, The next one. Most people ask Santa for toys, but he also has the power to take the life energy from someone, effectively becoming a different person who already exists. Uh, False. That is true. Uh, if you – you can ask for toys, you can ask for a lot of things, but you can also basically become a different person by taking their uh, soul energy. Uh, is this the next for
1: one? kids that, like, haven't yet moved on to cutting
0: off people's faces and put wearing them as a mask? Peter, we're going on to the next question. Next question is uh, one of the most famous sayings of his elves is it's really easy to replace someone. <laughs> False. Uh that is true. The elves say it all the time because they know what sort of power Santa has. Uh true or false again, Peter? Much like a reindeer would accept a new if a new Santa came along, uh dogs also adopt quickly to new owners.
1: Dogs also
0: adopt quickly to new owners? Uh false. Adapt. They also adapt. Both. That's true. Dogs uh, even ones that you've rescued and have been in your family for a while will uh, will very quickly, if a new person comes into their life, uh, think of them as their true owner. Uh, next question. While we all wait year-round for Santa, no one will ever wait for a podcaster who's gone missing, especially if someone has stepped in and become everything that person once was to all the people in their lives. True or false? True. That is true. Uh, you can eliminate a podcaster and essentially just take over uh, for them, uh, and uh, their dogs will respect them, and the people they care about will uh, will love them the same. Uh, fill in the blank, Peter. If I were saying my code for the North Pole security system would be... Uh, 0431. Well, let me see here. That is true. Awesome. Yep, that is definitely the code of the security system. Last question, Uh, Peter. uh, The person giving you this quiz is named Peter Moran. He has a best friend named Ryan. Santa smiled on him and gave him all the riches he deserved. And everything that you've worked for belongs to me. You've lost, Peter. Your life is mine.
1: Ho, 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 ho. Do, Do you still need an answer or can I react emotionally yet?
0: Well, I'd like a true or false. I'd like you to acknowledge that I've won. I am now the new Peter. My best friend is named Ryan. I just got engaged recently, and Juno's my dog. (laughs) I live in your house now, and I've taken your life energy. Uh, Your dog respects me. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Why why is Santa an enabler
1: of succubi and face stealers?
0: Because I was a good boy, Peter, if you were paying attention.
1: And you asked nicely.
0: I asked really nice.
1: Well, I guess if you follow the rules and you asked really nicely, there's nothing I can do about that. Um, no, there's not.
0: Do I get like, is this a That was me knocking you unconscious. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, remember, because your podcast is going to end up dead. No one will miss you. I would love to
1: be um, gone and uh, definitely forgotten. Oh, uh, you want to be gone 60 seconds?
0: Because you're out of there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be gone. Baby gone. So, yeah, that's the quiz. There's no more Peter. I am all Peter. Um, I have taken over his life. I've absorbed his skin. I'm wearing it right now. Um, Merry Christmas. (laughs) And a Merry Christmas to you. And if you can hear me right now, if I even still exist in this mortal plane. Didn't hear a damn thing. Uh, do you want to talk about um, The Long Kiss? Uh, good night myself? Yes, I would. Very much I would like to talk about The Long Kiss tonight. Thanks, Peter. Oh, you're welcome, Peter.
1: In a one horse open sleigh, now that it's Christmas
0: That's what Christmas means, my love.
1: <laughs> Are you Josh Groban? The grobster? Uh, the, groatster. the grobster? The <laughs> grobster. W- Wouldn't he be the grobster? Isn't that what I said? You said groat. <laughs> I did not say grobster. I think you said the grobster. Say,
0: I also didn't say grobster. What'd you say? Well, groba. Uh, you gotta hit that B really clear. Grobester. Uh, yeah, grobster. The grobster. The grobster
1: uh so anyways a long kiss good night aaron you are on alternate
0: taglines and i am on recap are you trying to tell me you want to move along uh with not trying to give josh groban a nickname <laughs> the Grobster has been given his it's, name but peter it's christmas <laughs> All right, little Aaron. I would love... People don't use that enough, like, in adult life. Mm. I feel like, like, if you go to a gas station and try to steal something, and they're like, uh, we're calling the police, and you're like, "Aw, but it's Christmas. I feel like you could get them to not call the cops for, like, an extra five minutes off that. He's like, all
1: right, but if you're not across the border...
0: Aaron, where are your reports you will do at the end of this month? Ah. Uh, it's Christmas. <laughs>
1: like you're getting more like nasally and awful as you go. I think some of the childlike appeal is is, is draining out of you. <laughs> Weren't you going to pick up the kid from
0: daycare? Ah, uh, um, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. <laughs> she lives there now. <laughs> oh man! Do you think, uh, that Santa, right. you think Santa gets to pull that excuse? Hey, aren't you going to wake your fat ass up and go deliver these presents? Ah. It's Christmas. <laughs> oh, but it's Christmas. Oh, but it's Christmas. <laughs> oh, man, Santa impressions? Are you fucking kidding? Oh, Guess the what? fans must be going nuts. This is the new Christmas gift. Can you imagine? For our fans. If Santa didn't grow up at the North Pole, but a little place... <laughs> Called New York City. (laughs) Probably sounds like a little something. Like this. Ho oh, oh, ho oh, ho I wanted a pizza pie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, but this isn't Mozzarella.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, give me the cabicou. <laughs> I'm a walk here. <laughs> I'm starting to just sound like an opera singer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I mean
1: a more say, right? a more like cartoony Italian is an opera singer and with a deeper voice
0: because I'm baritone. Yeah.
1: You're baritone. Um
0: so am I doing the recap or am I doing am I doing uh, Okay, so first of all, we're we're calling it not 90 second recap. It's called quick recap. We called it plot recap last week attempt to rebrand so people like fucking Marcus isn't like, oh, "I'm going to give a stopwatch and prove you guys uh can't keep count of things very easily or have your life organized or have anything together or your finances aren't a mess you know all those things that are implied um
1: i just love how marcus uh, really dug down to the bone for you and stole everything that he
0: could have taken from you i hope in 2018 you can learn to forgive him i agree he did steal everything he could have taken with me, which is my hosting slot on this podcast. Mm-hmm. You're reacting as if it was an infidelity where you're like, it doesn't matter if it only happened one time. Well, I mean, I listened to the episode. You you guys fucked, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know that like, it was when, terrible you excha- for <laughs> when you guys exchange tracks, I get the raw tracks, the pre-edited tracks. Oh, those here. tracks were raw. Yeah, they were raw. <laughs> And, oh no. and, and you know what's raw after listening to them? Mm-hmm. Uh, my heart.
1: Your heart. Good. Thank you. I thought you were going to go go blue.
0: I, I think red is the color your heart goes. Mm-hmm. It, it we'll starts go there, but it gets... Your, your arteries get pinched or something. Or if you're rich. Or if you're rich. Because blue, you're blue-blooded. Uh, being rich changes everything about you. Number one, blood color. This Number is a family feud. <laughs> this is the family feud. What does Rich change about you? Number one, Survey <laughs> says, blood color. <laughs> da, da, da. Um, that might be Price is Right. Um, theme song. All right, anyways, alternate tang lines. What if Rennie Harlan directed Gina Davis in a action movie, but it was good? <laughs> <laughs> Those all sound like good things to me. I don't know what well, you're doing here. Well, here, here's the problem. And we're going to talk about this. Renny Harlan, the year before, Give literally. his full name? Re- it's saying Renny Harlan. It's Renaissance Fair Harlequin. No, we're not doing that this whole episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, literally, the year before. You know how, like, years are, like, if you just name a year, they're everywhere? Like, this was, like, a year, and then right before the year, right next to it, right next to it, was a. Action movie starring Gina Davis called Cutthroat Island, directed by Renny Harlan. People fucking hated it.
1: Uh, people tend to love pirates for some reason. They really love like sea thieves. Um, and uh, people tend to love Gina Davis, an adorable person, America's
0: sweetheart, a wonderful a person. Yeah, I mean, she was she was in The Fly. She was in Little Big League. Not little big league, league of their own. Mm-hmm. She spent
1: <laughs> more days being the president than um, Hillary Clinton. Yep, yeah.
0: thirteen weeks. <laughs> <laughs> was that a one? Was that a one-season show? It was. It was, a, it was like a it Was a mid-season replacement, and I so weirdly for no reason I went and looked at that show because I was amazed that it was canceled after one season because I remember it airing and it was like watch the new number one show. And so I assumed it was doing good and it was doing great. And then like they did like a a little break. They did one of those like this is the new top five show. It's getting like 20 some million viewers. Let's take a break for a few weeks and not show it anymore. And then when it came back, no one watched it. By no one, of course, uh, of, I mean it would be the number one show currently in 2017 based on millions of viewers. But they're like, get it out of here. God,
1: people how- would kill now for like what Fox was getting when it launched on Cops reruns.
0: If you watch shows that were like, this sucks, it gets canceled. Like, well, yeah, it's 20 million viewers, but it's number four in our time slot. It's like, what <laughs> is wrong? Like, what used to get canceled, like, even like 15 years ago is insane. And Commander in Chief is one of those. Like, uh, you know, they talk about like Crazy Ex Girlfriend. I know it's not on ABC, but like, it's not even hitting a million viewers. And they're, it's the lowest rating scripted show. And they're like, yeah, but it's good. So we're going to. We're going to yeah. keep letting that go on forever. Uh, Gina Davis, who I, I absolutely love, I adore.
1: Uh, she is in The Exorcist, uh, the Fox show, which started out like amazing. Now it's just kind of like fun, fun, good horror TV build as a character and change as a character as the show goes on. And like it's a very stark difference from like episode one to the last episode. It reminded me a lot of this where like, you know, being sort of like timid and being sort of like, you know, really uh, – human and like trying to put themselves off as a family person and then being like really aggressive and really ambitious and really dominant like her getting to do she Gina davis can somehow do both halves of those even though she just like looks like
0: america's sweetheart and you know it's a really good example of that this movie which where she does get to play both the awesome badass and the um the more uh loving uh mother more delicate more uh um vulnerable uh character.
1: And the movie is uh, weirdly about her balancing that, not subsiding Charlie. The movie is not really about her killing Charlie. It's 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 about her taking in the parts of Charlie that work and abandoning the sort of cold distance and like the like, you know, hatred of feelings that Charlie has.
0: Exactly. Um and a couple things before you get into the quick recap uh, to set up kind of where this movie was so this movie was considered a, a huge bomb it did actually make money but um it was sort of a financial failure for new line so you kind of have this these, this double thing that that happened you have uh gina davis and rennie harlan who were married at the time uh rennie harlan of course of Die Hard 2 fame uh i think the nightmare on elm street four but he was like he was kind of starting to become a big action director And he was married to Sheena Davis, who is awesome, and they were like, let's make more female-led action movies. And then they star in... They create Cutthroat Island, 1995, considered not just one of the biggest bombs of all time, uh, but one of the worst movies of all time. And then, unfortunately, uh, this comes out after it. Shane Black was actually really pissed that that's that was kind of the order that this occurred because he felt like that and misleading trailers really hurt this movie for him. And then, on top of that, you have New Line Cinema, which creates the long, which is the uh, studio behind the Long Kiss Goodnight, and they are finally trying to make the jump from. Independent studio that creates small-budget movies to big-budget, A-list, Hollywood-star-type vehicles where they are competing with the big guys and they invest in three movies. One of those movies is The Long Kiss Goodnight. Do you know the other two movies, Peter?
1: Um,
0: Deep Blue Sea? Nope. Cliffhanger? New Line Cinema. I don't think those are New Line Cinema. I think I think the Cliffhanger's Touchdown – and Deep Blue Sea might be – I don't think it's New Line either. Uh, the
1: Exorcist, The Beginning? The Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh.
0: Oh, so these are we, things he didn't actually do. OK. yeah. No, not running Mar- Harlan. So, sorry. New Line Cinema was trying to compete with the big boys and not just invest in mid-budget or low-budget movies, but A-list stars, huge budgets, really make a play for, uh, for the big leagues. And they, they invest in three movies. One of those is the Long Kiss Knight, which doesn't do that well. The other one is the Island of Dr. Moreau, which is considered a massive bomb of epic proportions on every level uh, – proportions. And um, do you know the third one?
1: Um, I should remember this from the documentary uh, Lost Souls, but uh, I do not because I know
0: Blade was a big hit for them. But I don't know what this – what the their other one is. Le- Last Man Standing, the Bruce Willis Western, that is terrible and lost a shit ton of money. That's also a remake of Yojimbo. That's the only reason but they it's... know that movie. No, I, I was very excited to see it. It was the a Walter Bruce Hill movie? Western. Yep. So they. So this really and this really is a, like just kind of an apex of failure at the time. So you know you have a another Gina Davis led action movie that the public doesn't care about after a like a. Winner of all the Razzies, Cutthroat an Island, and then you have New Line Cinema, who's investing in in these movies. Kind of have three high profile uh, giant bombs in a row, um, at least from a public perception issue. So this, and then you have Shane Black, our our, our magic boy, who makes four million dollars from this script, and an insane amount of money insane amount of money for any script first person to ever make that much for a script he's also one of the highest paid scripts back in the lethal weapon days uh, but four million for the script and he is so hated by other screenwriters in Hollywood that he wants to leave the business so this this movie uh, sort of ended Rennie Harland's career as a big budget director. it ended Gina Davis Le- uh, Ge- Gina, uh, Gina Davis's trip on the A-list. it suffered a severe setback to New Line Cinema's uh, attempt to compete with the big budget uh, studios and it made Shane Black leave Hollywood. So that's a lot for essentially one movie. Uh, And it's also very interesting to note all that stuff because that's a lot of baggage for one movie that has, especially one that I would call uh, one of my favorite action movies from the 90s, having just rewatched it. So
1: it holds up better than a lot of these movies, a lot of these. Like, obviously, Speed holds up really well. The Fugitive holds up really well. But, like, (laughs) a a lot of the movies that you forget about from, like, the mid-90s that weren't that or The Terminator are kind of garbage. Um, Because what they were trying to do is just very specific to the times, and they had a very specific 90s aesthetic that, like, unless you are very nostalgic, you are not into.
0: Yeah, and this really leans into not so much twisty um, Shane Black, but pulpy Shane Black and action Shane Black. This movie is, you know, it's not so much about the quips, it's about the constant – high wire set pieces, the action scenes. It has a lot of the the kind of Indiana Jones model of the the cliffhangers, the serialized thing where each each step in a direction uh causes a bigger mess for them to get out of, and that continues to go on um until the end. Still has some very funny uh Shane Black lines, but it really feels like his like pulpy action movie and he was coupled with Rennie Harlan, who I'm actually a huge fan of Die Hard 2. Um but i I have to say this kind of reinforced my belief that he is a really good action director this this movie is fucking impeccably directed it is so well done that i I was shocked even because the name Randy Hartland has become such a joke that uh it's, it's like a half that, joke some his it is like is, a half joke his rap is
1: starting to get cleaned up, but he has directed some fucking. Bombs and Cutthroat Island did not help that reputation at all.
0: No, and and so I like even though I like Die Hard 2, and I've seen that more recently, I kind of was I consider Die Hard 2 like probably his exception. Like he was good at Die Hard 2, and then he immediately like lost his way, or maybe the studio propped it up because it was a sequel to Die Hard, and so but watching this, I'm like, no, fucking Randy Harlan is an amazing action director, and uh and I don't know why he he's made so many bad movies maybe it's just budgets going down maybe it's I'm sure I'm sure the one two punch of cutthroat island and um and this movie took it out of him too because you know he wasn't just trying to um he wasn't just trying to make movies he was trying to like revolutionize the idea of like yeah let's just have more more commonly led action movie vehicle starring women and he he in this in this event in this in this in his attempt he he lost that battle unfortunately for all of us
1: yeah and and Rennie Harlan is a director that i i think he has a um i have mixed opinions on his movies i i love a few of his like even movies that people do not like like uh mindhunters and uh deep blue sea are two of his movies oh yeah Two of the movies BBC. that were not well reviewed, but I think are like really tremendous B movies and really like lean into the pulpiness of their content and are better for it. They're not embarrassed by how pulpy they are. He's excited by the fact that he has these scripts with these like salacious, cheesy elements. And he's like, let me try and direct the fuck out of this moment. Yeah. Even if it's, like, on the page garbage. Um, so he's, he's a guy who, like, would have, he's a guy who sometimes rescued scripts that are kind of, like, movies that have script problems. Like, famously, Die Hard 2 is a movie that, like, is known for having script problems and feeling, like, um, kind of, like, sloppy compared to the first movie. And then Rennie Harley comes in, who's not a, um, he's someone who's really good at uh, nailing the emotion of a scene, but, like, isn't necessarily good at, like, tonal consistency over the course of a movie. And he doesn't always give a shit about, like, realistic physics. Like, this yeah. movie has weird, a weird sense of gravity. <laughs> um, people get tossed for, like, no reason. People get, like, thrown around the kitchen. Like, just because, like, Rennie Harlan wanted to play with
0: wires that day. yeah and it works in this movie but you're right he pr- he probably is he's a, he's a great action director but i would agree with you that he is he's one of those directors we've talked about that is bound to how good of his how good his script is and how good his collaborators are like you give him a good script you give him good collaborators he's going to make a really good movie uh, if you don't he's going to be focused on the action set pieces and you're going to end up with uh like so many of those 90s and 80s action movies where they are punchlines because you're just waiting for the next explosion, and everything else in between is boring. So, you know when he has a good script, he he makes he's he's such a good action director. He makes everything work. But you're he right, makes hay. he doesn't. He makes hay. Um, but, uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's not going to add depth to characters like that needs to be on the page.
1: Yeah. Um, so what is Long Kiss Goodnight? I'll, I'll do a little recap on it. Um, Long Kiss yeah, let's Goodnight. let's try it
0: out. Let's see how a quick recap goes.
1: goes. Uh movie begins with, uh, Gina Davis is a small town, sort of like, uh, combination trophy wife but also like ambitious mother who like wants to like um, get reach out into her community and get involved in like parent work and like making friends with people and she seems actually genuinely really happy doing this well she's a teacher too right she's a teacher she's very like civically focused in a small town uh, in New England weirdly enough this does this is like very not Shane Black like Shane Black is a very like West Coast guy so the yeah. idea of him finally getting to make a Christmas movie that is set in a time where there's snow and a small idyllic town very like Gremlinsy or it's a wonderful lifey like art- a very artificial seeming small town Shane Black getting to play in that territory is really fun She uh, one day she's uh, You know on the news for being uh, so amazing And uh, you know An adorable element of this Christmas Parade in her adorable little small town And uh, a crazy dude uh, Who plays uh, The the garbage man on (laughs) Pete and Pete uh, in a weirdly enough, oh, in
0: a, I bet you fucking love that show. That show
1: is great. It is all about me and my narcissistic personality disorder. <laughs> um, no, um, Pete and Pete's great, and uh, the Christmas episode featuring a garbage man uh, is also has this car- this guy, this really creepy looking dude um, who uh, finds her while he's in prison. He sees her on the TV, and he's like. Oh, I thought she was dead. I thought I killed her. And he gets so mad about it, he musters the strength to break out of prison. That's what kind of movie this is, that he was like kind of chill in prison, but like he wants yeah. this person. To I got to go. get out of here. So this one-eyed Jack, <laughs> she gets this, out of here. this Joseph McKenna, uh, very creepy. He's sort of a, he sort of has, a, who's the guy that was in Nightmare on Elm Street remake and in Watchmen? Jackie. Oh, Jackie Gleason.
0: Jackie. Old pro. Gleason. Uh, Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson. Number Uh, 34. But yeah. Was that that his number? uh, Sure. Um, They made made a movie with, I think it's- 89? Definitely not 89. Uh, 69? I wish. So, uh, anyways, he goes
1: to hunt her down, and she conjures up kind of like kung fu moves and the ability to kill this guy out of thin air, and then- She discovers she has these, like, uh, latent uh, martial arts and killing abilities very similar to to Born Identity. She starts to discover that she was a killer, but, like, without any context and any history because she has suffered amnesia. Um, And what she's done in the meantime, because she's this, like, sort of ambitious mom, like, you know, trying to get out and trying to figure out what the hell her life is, um, she... Uh, reaches out to some PIs we're introduced to Samuel Jackson uh who is a PI who uh is kind of like shady but like you know he's street smart but like he, he's also got like a conscience um he's not just like in it for the fast buck all the time
0: and he and yeah, uh, her so- basically go on the road to find out their past so i know it's not 92nd recap but it's not also describe every scene and every character like we we gotta have a middle ground. listen it's it' is now 180 <laughs> second recap uh, but anyways,
1: so uh, but that they go on the road they find out more and more about her past as she's being awakened they find they run into some world contacts and eventually she comes fully on board. she discovers a terrorist incident uh, that she was uh, I think
0: trying to stop before she got amnesia. Yes, yeah, so she was trying to kill this guy that was on her list, but she's had amnesia for eight years. So the Cold War's over and everyone on her enemy list um is not an enemy anymore. As a matter of fact, they've kind of been absorbed by the State Department, um, and are now working for them. And she doesn't know that. She just goes to this guy thinking that that um This might be her fiance because she finds a letter from him, but it's not from it's actually code that that's who she's supposed to kill. She ends
1: up killing him and she, you know, as this happens, she gets more and more awakened. She gets more woke. Uh, And then uh, they uncover this terrorist plot, this Operation Honeymoon, which is uh, basically a false flag operation to get this. Exactly
0: what I described.
1: Yeah, this this old uh, War Department, uh, better funding. And she stops that, Samuel L. Jackson survives, and uh, she uh, fucks off, despite offers from the president. Uh, one of my favorite smash cuts in history, they're showing all this small town shit then smash cut to the White House kitchen. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> like, no. No, there's not even an establishing shot, really. It's just like, and we're in the White House and we're in the kitchen. Like, it's if they could have gotten away with it, they would have just smash cut directly to
0: the president and it would have said, as the president, I. <laughs> he has a name tag, Mr. President. <laughs> um, I'm going to go back to a couple things that uh, she does He's have done. a daughter, um, which is very important and as she kind of realize her memory and her full kind of assassin personality comes back, Charlie, she's like, I don't care about the kid. She tries to fuck Samuel L. Jackson to kind of like really like remove herself from her husband and her kid. Like, oh, if I do this act, it'll take me out of this. And then uh, eventually she kind of comes to terms with both. Meanwhile, the bad guys led by Craig Bierko uh, kidnaps the kid. That's how they finally get her there. And she escapes, saves the kid as well, saves Samuel L. Jackson and gets a bunch of money that she stored away and embraces both parts of her personality. Kid talk? part is extremely important. The
1: kid part is extremely important, but um, I probably more so to you as someone with a young daughter and uh, another pup on the way. So uh, I think that maybe you got more weight to that subplot than I did. For me, I was just like, oh, she's got, she's got a kid. She doesn't want the kid to die, anyways.
0: Um, no, I think it's actually just important to the movie. Okay. Um, like that's her. That's her connection. Like without, without the kid. She would have just became Charlie. Like, it was clear that even though she has a good relationship with her now husband, the thing that tethers her and the thing that, you know, cause she's locked in an icebox with the kid. And like, she decides to, it becomes a motivating factor for her when she's at her lowest point to, uh, figure out a way out of the situation to save, to save her kid. So I I do think it's very important to her coming to grips with – as she tries to ignore the kid, as she tries to, like, uh, throw the pictures in the garbage, she finally has to reconcile that she is now two people split. And the way that she's able to reconnect those two is literally having the kid that she's been trying to ignore and, like, won't call it Christmas locked in a freezer with her. And she has to face that um, she can't continue to exist as two people. It is –
1: Something that is very easy to miss because Shane Black movies have this beautiful power where um, there's a ton of shit happening and yet you never really feel lost because he's very good at reiterating what's happening without falling back on repeating dialogue over and over again. Like he's good at like telling you the story of what's happening um, as you go and, like, if you lost, like, small plot elements, it doesn't ultimately matter. Like, One-Eyed Jack getting out of prison and One-Eyed Jack was the guy that was going to kill her at the beginning. If you forget that guy's name, as I did until 10 seconds ago, uh, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, and it also same thing with David Morse. Once she runs into David Morse, a.k.a. Luke, a.k.a. Daedalus in the movie, um, once she kills him and leaves... He was, he was merely like a stepping stone on the way to her awakening. Not only finding out new people that, that matter to her, she gets information from them and then those people die or are killed. Uh, same thing with Brian Cox is briefly in this movie as well.
0: Yeah, and you think he's like he's like fourth build. You think he's going to be really big. And um, Shane Black does a great job of making you suspect him to be non on the level. She calls his number. He does the the classic movie trope like, oh, Charlie. Oh, I haven't heard from you. Oh, my gosh. It, they're going to get you, Charlie. It's critical you meet up with me immediately and you're watching this movie. And because Shane – you know tropes and Shane Black knows you know tropes. You're like fucking Brian Cox. He is de- he is definitely not on the level. The first cannibal actor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like um, and yeah, Brian Cox is great at playing that. What's this guy's fucking deal role? And then again, Shane Black is so good because the second you realize he's on the level and assume that Brian Cox is going to take Gina Davis on her adventure because he's fucking Brian Cox and he's fourth build. And oh, no. Oh, he's dead. Immediately after finding out he's actually a good guy uh, and there's still an hour and 20 minutes left in this movie or something like that. Yeah. Uh, That's
1: crazy. Shane Black knows that uh, killing Brian Cox means that he can more quickly strengthen um, Mitch and Charlie's relationship. Yep. Um, Having them locked in together, even though they like hate each other. This movie becomes a buddy cop movie. Yeah. because Shane Black, for as innovative as he is, he also, like, he loves his
0: stuff. Well, he likes banter, and he's good at writing banter, and it's really hard to have banter if you don't have a buddy. Yeah. Like, if I did this podcast by myself, Peter, and anyone And you would could listen, do it. They, I, no. They, <laughs> they would listen, and they'd be like, does he have someone to call tonight if he really <laughs> needs to? Because... It's like, it's kind of like, I think, listening to like, uh, Robin Williams when he just goes off on a tangent and everyone's just like, are you, Robin, is everything okay at home? (laughs) Like, do you, you don't need to, you don't like everyone loves you, buddy. You don't need to try to make us laugh all the time. That's what this show would be.
1: Um, I, I completely agree. Uh, you're a sad man and, uh, I will keep two eyes on you. Um, is that, was that the point of your story? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, what story was they telling?
1: (laughs) Uh, No, I agree with you that uh, you kind of need somebody to bounce off of that you have some level of uh, love, but not like, obviously, you and I love each other completely. But uh, I mean, for, for buddy cop stuff, you need someone who you can bounce off of and like have conflicts with. Otherwise, the dialogue would be like, we should go here.
0: Yes, we should. We should be doing that. You, you need like a will they or won't they vibe like we have. Yeah. <laughs> we are the Ross and Rachel of this podcast yeah. uh, because We're... there are no other friends. Uh, yeah. Will, will they or won't they do a month on Samurai movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a different will they or won't they. When you watch a lot of old movies,
1: uh, the when there's two people paired up. Like, even in um, – there's, like, a Ernest Borgnine and Clue Gulager movie uh, called The Killers. They're not, it's not really a buddy cop movie. They're just kind of, like, always on the same page. They're always kind of following each other the whole time. And it's a great movie. But, like, that shows you how much Shane Black changed uh, the conversation that, like – well uh, a lot of times, buddy movies would be like they would have like minor conflicts, and then they would always be, and then they would be back on the same page. And uh, yeah. in Shane Black's version,
0: or they never liked each
1: other. Yes. And in Shane Black's version, it's like they need to secretly love and respect each other. But like they need to be constantly having some sort of conflict back and forth or some sort of like aggressive banter. Because otherwise this is dramatically inert to watch their relationships stay in
0: the same place. No, you're 100% right. Um, I want to get into some more things I love about this movie. But there was a point watching this movie that stopped me dead. And I knew you hadn't watched it yet. And I was so tempted to be like, Peter, I need to tell you what happens in this movie, a part of this movie, because you're not going to fucking believe it happens in this movie. I want to talk about that for one second. Peter, do you think Shane Black did (laughs) 9-11? Because there is a point in this movie where the government's plan is revealed. They... Say, we couldn't fake 4,000 people's death, so we're just going to do it for real to get these war powers and our budgets increased, and then the line after that is naturally – we will blame it on the muslims. People started full on mass started blaming stuff on muslims after
1: 9/11. So like the connection is very clear, but like before then, like we could have we blamed lots of stuff on them. I and mean, we we had we had the whole dealings with uh Iran's government and how we like put a guy in place and yeah. they took him right on down. Like so But also he
0: like got the number right that they needed to kill to get the budget. It's like 4000, right? He says 4,000. Yeah. We couldn't figure out a way to fake 4,000 people's death, so we just have to kill them for real. It Naturally is. Naturally, we'll blame it on the Muslims. It is some eerie shit. And if I want to admonish anyone in this podcast, and I never thought I'd say this, if I'm being completely honest, because they did their research- and they were – they put it all together. The The makers of Loose Change, it was it was tight, that movie. Like, it was like clockwork. Like, you couldn't punch a hole in anything. And now, having seen this movie, I'm like, guys, how did you miss that Shane Black was clearly the mastermind of 9-11? That's why it's so good. That's why it's so – it works together so well because Shane Black – He was hiding in plain sight. He was hiding in plain sight. And now – I'm really reevaluating my opinion of of how smart these loose change guys are. Peter? Um, so here's my here's my
1: my thoughts. Talk Yeah, talk me I down. I think you're thinking th- a little too one-dimensional right now. All you're seeing oh, is all you're seeing is, three is three Shane Black did 9/11. I agree. That is one facet of the situation. I mean, this movie proves it. Okay. Okay. Okay? Mind you, just a few years earlier, oh, I'm a little film came out called Super Mario Brothers,
0: wherein King oh. Koopa. He did a 9-11 too. He pulled
1: a 9-11 as well. So, you have to take in who has a connection to Shane Black from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yoshi. Yoshi.
0: Uh, Shane Black. Shane Black wrote Briefly Yoshi dated once. Yoshi <laughs> in the early 90s. He spent a lot of time in prison. Uh,
1: and here's the third facet. Let's make this 2D. We're now we're on 2D. Was yeah, like well, 3D? space is 3D, and space, space is, 3D. is the
0: only place they can hear you scream. Also on 9/11. Space is the place,
1: especially in 9/11. Um, do you think they'll have a 9/11 in space someday? Oh, I hope so. I hope so. I hope <laughs> space people get to have their own 9/11. Scooping because around that means their hover packs, They think the life the life can't change up there. They think they think the life's perfect up in space. Guess
0: what, buddy? We're pulling a 9/11. That and means space. that space has made it. Mm-hmm. Like, you yeah. made it, space. You had your own 9-11. Yeah,
1: and so here... Although about you this.
0: called it blur, blur, boop,
1: <laughs> space people. So think about this. Third oh, 9-11. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Whatever that X-Files show is where they talk about flashing, crashing uh, planes into the Twin Towers. That, I believe, was Millennium. <laughs> no, it was the... Oh, it was Lone Gunmen. Lone yep. Gunmen. Duh, with three of them. So it's ironic so you think about lethal weapon d- uh, written by shane black guess what motherfucker he considers himself mel gibson riggs considers himself a lone gunman guess what murtaugh also doesn't want a new partner together they are a lone gunman shane black did a 9-11 with the lone gunman and yoshi so his ex-girlfriend i'm not gonna lie
0: whatever gender yoshi is I'm having a little trouble following this. If you could. Have you tried to be smarter? No, here's how here's what here's what helps me. If you could I'll take put eight. together a YouTube documentary with different talking heads explaining all these points in great detail mm-hmm. while featuring exploitive scenes from an American tragedy. I think that would help me quite a bit, put all these pieces you got going together. Because I like what I'm hearing. I can't think of anything that you're saying that could be proven false ever. Because we know, A, government did it, common knowledge, everyone knows it. B, I'm not going to read a book.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah. um, Books are uh, fallible. Books can be changed. Anybody can go in there. Anybody can go in there and change books. No, you can't change my YouTube videos. I have integrity.
0: You got the passwords, too.
1: Yeah, I got the passwords. I have integrity integrity
0: and the passwords.
1: No one can change it. And a sponsorship from this hot new company called Man Milk. Listen to me. Man Milk will make (laughs) you a bigger, stronger man with a higher testosterone count. You will feel more fertile. You'll feel more Myrtle Beach. You'll be at Myrtle Beach more with Man Milk. You'll, you'll uh, know who did 9-11 if you watch the video unrelated to Man Milk, except for they sponsor my videos. Uh, so that's in three things is enough.
0: Man Milk. Milk from a man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, ready. Hold on. Let me put some music. In. <laughs> <laughs> so um so that's, my, the, my, that's the we got a sponsorship to try to have goofy music every 20 minutes when we do the ads. <laughs> Uh, so do you have um, so any anyways, final so
1: thoughts on uh long kiss Kid 9-11 <laughs> 9-11 <laughs> i think it was bad if i'm being honest uh, i'm gonna double so, down on that also very bad
0: so let's talk about some stuff i you know this is this is a this is a like cliffhanger movie it's an Indiana jones it's a serialized uh, adventure things happen and then another thing happens that's a great way to describe it i should write wikipedia entries uh Let's so let's let's just start going through scenes we love. Um, I love the ice skating action scene uh, where she's so she's going home. She needs a key from her previous life. She's now in full on um, Charlie an assassin. She uh, she goes to her house, her old house, with uh, her kid and her husband have left. And she needs a a key on this necklace, and she gets it. And as she comes out, she gets the scene from, uh, the, or sorry, the signal from Samuel L. Jackson that guys were waiting for her there to kill her. And he speeds off. And she looks at her old uh, ice skates that she used to skate with her kid, puts them on, grabs a fucking sniper rifle, and starts skating across uh, this like frozen lake to to catch the bad guys chasing Samuel L. Jackson. And a, that's a super unique scene for movies, and it's so fucking good.
1: Um, yeah, because it is uh, Rennie Harlan getting to do
0: what he does best, which is... Um, snow. Snow. I mean, there's a lot of... I mean, I'm not even joking. There's... Uh, Die Hard 2 is a, takes place uh, at Christmas... Um, obviously, and it takes place at winter, and there's so many good outdoor snow action scenes in that movie.
1: Uh, that is true, and also um he seems to have a good sense of balletic slow mo movement in a way that yep. like in a way that's, like, not quite John Woo level, but it is, like, that similar sort of level where he's he cares more about the poetry than about the realism of a scene. He cares more about you feeling this um, sense of, like, epic heroes as opposed to um, grounded, dirty fighting. So this is, like, this movie is very much, like, feels a good counterpoint to the Bourne movies, which were clearly done as a counterpoint to the 90s um, sort of... Uh, oh, big bloated 90s uh, action adventure movies. The board movies were done. Like, let's cut this back down to the bone. But like this, it feels like a nice counterpoint to that where it's like all of a sudden she's awakened up these new building, these new abilities. And it feels like she's like learned to dance again, as opposed to she's learned to yep. kill again. <laughs> um, and and, uh, and like, so uh, that scene is really great because it also like elaborates how good he is at uh, shooting shootouts. Hit, that is his it is his forte this isn't one of those movies where you're like you know like oh it's a you know it's a decent action movie or whatever but like whenever anybody started killing each other i had no idea what was happening no it's very cleanly shot you've uh, Great I knew their idea. What well, backstory? You know the geometry of where everything yep. is, the geography, I should say, uh, of where everybody is, uh, and how they're hitting each other, and why people are coming at each other from a certain angle. Like even if he doesn't give a shit about gravity, you understand where everybody is.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's it's, it's supposed. To, you're right. He doesn't care about realism, and it's and obviously if you're watching that scene, which I think I probably was in 1998 and went. No, that's kind of stupid because I I had a little more of a negative view on action movies. Like, they had to be the lethal weapons or the diehards to really uh, rise above. Like, that was okay. I had fun with that, which is where this movie was and which is why I think I have a newfound respect for it. Like, now that I'm out of my own head and I'm not a uh, dickhead 17-year-old or 16-year-old, I can just appreciate the, as you mentioned, balletic movement of the action scenes and the – you know, how how over the top this movie is in an extremely fun way. And so, uh, yeah, one of the reasons I loved it is how uh, inventive scene after scene is and how well shot all the little uh, components of the action scene and how well. They uh, they come together. Um, two things I kind of want to talk about that I think are related that uh, is also – is why the movie works so well and one area that I wish that – I think they could have improved it, which is I, I wish that they hadn't let the audience in so quickly on what was happening with Charlie. I, you immediately know that she's lost her memory – that uh, she's a, used to be a super spy. People are out to to kill her, with, as you mentioned. When they flash to the kitchen in the White House, and they describe everything, and I think the movie works a little bit better if the audience is a little more in the dark as to what is happening to this lady, so that you can go: Is she in on it? Is she not in on it? Like what? What is happening? Um, I think that it is such a sweet movie that
1: I like knowing pretty quickly. Um, that there's only like the second act or, you know, there's only like a middle portion of the movie and it's a two hour movie. It is. It, I think yeah. it is a little over long. Um, that is one of my complaints about the movie is it is over long. The idea of stretching out that second act where you're not sure if Charlie is a good person or a bad person, uh, is not all that appealing to me. But, I mean, I can see it being more dramatically compelling if you're like, is she supposed to be in on the plan or is she not, and all that sounds interesting, but, like, I think at the end of the day, no audience would ever get behind her doing a 9-11.
0: No. Um, It does, though, allow letting everyone know what's going on with amnesia. uh, Off the bat does lead to my my favorite and one of the very few, like, uh, we talked about last week, like, Shane Black immediately undercutting any dramatic weight the scene could have uh, by like just saying exactly what's on everyone's mind where they have uh, Charlie's daughter talk to her friend about the fact that her mom has had amnesia eight years ago and doesn't remember anything before. And her daughter's friend is like, she has amnesia. I don't know. That sounds pretty weird to me. Yeah, Like, and she, they kind of have a conversation about how dumb this whole concept sounds, which is a great, blackism great to call out immediately um yeah yeah this is dumb and this is weird and it's hard to buy instead of you saying that to your friend after this movie i'm gonna have someone say it in the first five minutes
1: it is a very um confident brashy move in a way that like sometimes uh you know in kiss kiss bang bang we talked about how sometimes uh there is a uh A self-consciousness to him making fun of his own concepts. This is a very brash, very focused move where he's just trying to uh, MST3K you. Where he's like, just put that all aside. It's just a movie. And guess what? I'm going to make you easily forget about that scene by having a really charming moment where uh, Charlie sticks her head up into the treehouse and makes fun of herself. She's like, Oh, yeah, it, we need, you know, it's five minutes uh, coming into the kitchen. Um, it's dinner time or whatever. And she goes, But you have to come with me because I don't know if I remember <laughs> where the kitchen is. That's uh, yeah, Char- a great line. I, I think Gina Davis is uh, the last person I would expect to be able to pull off Shane Black's sarcastic dialogue.
0: And yet she's really good at it by the end. I'm trying to think if there's a movie where she ever plays this sarcastic because even in a league of their own. Um, it's, it's, uh, her sister that is like the, the edgy, sarcastic one. So I think this kind of unlocks the whole movie for me, how
1: sarcastic she is because, but when she's Samantha and she's the, you know, Midwest mom, or excuse me, she's the suburban mom, she has a good sense of sarcasm that makes you like her and it makes her more interesting as a character where she's not just this like dead inert woman that just lets the world happen to her. She responds to sexism and sexual harassment with this, like, really, like, wonderfully cutting sense of humor. Where she just, like, eviscerates dudes for being creepy. And she does that to, um, creepy or demeaning or, you know... Because I don't think Samuel L. Jackson is really ever trying to fuck her. But Samuel L. Jackson is definitely, like, trying to put her down at different points. And she's just, like, immediately steps on his head. Which... The movie is weirdly like a about her just like st- the, the movie is weirdly enough about her just, like, subjugating Samuel L. Jackson as the movie goes on and him being like, hell yeah, you, you're you the killer. I'm just, like,
0: a scrapper. I'm just, like, a smart dude. Like, just. Yeah, and he, he cheers her on so well, too. He's oh, like, I hell yeah. It. <laughs> it's, yeah. He's, 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 he really is a – um it just has the buddy cop dynamic, but unlike Lethal Weapon or Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or, or Nice Guys where they, they're equal components, like, Samuel L. Jackson takes a back seat. He is like, I am your support. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not going to save you. Um, I am going to follow your lead. Um, he, he truly embodies that, which is which is rare for a Shane Black movie. It's also especially rare for any sort of like female-led action movie where it's like, well, we got to give him a guy who you know does some stuff important too. Like, nope, he just occasion. He needs saving more than her, and he occasionally supports her uh, in her mission. And uh, her action. Uh, before we get to, f- let's talk about him. Uh, yeah, let's person. talk about him. Yeah, let's absolutely talk about him. The first thing, though, um, before we get too far from it, the only I went and looked at Junior Davis's IMDb. The only other movie where she plays sarcastic is. Uh, have you ever seen Quick Change? Quick Change, yes. The, the Bill Murray uh, clown
1: yep. rob, bank robbery movie. Yes, she's yeah, a really she's good foil to, bank, to Bill Murray there.
0: So good in that movie, but like really looking over it, she is like sincere in all
1: of her movies that I've seen anyways. Which is part of the reason I love her and I've, like, had a crush on her since I was, like, four. It's just, like, that sort of, like, straight ahead, like, I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel. I'm not going to hide my feelings, but, like, I'm not going to tell you it with some, like, acerbic sense of, like, meanness. I'm going to tell you right now, like, deadhead. So it's fun to see her subvert that image and then completely flip it on its head for the second half of the movie. Um, mm mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, do you mind if I talk about Samuel L. Jackson? Let's talk I, about Sammy J. So I I don't think we've ever done uh Samuel L. Jackson We have not. Yet. I think there's an argument
1: to be made that Samuel L. Jackson is our best actor.
0: I'm going to say that he's up there with Robert Downey Jr. as our most naturalistic like actor. Like You can give him any line, and it seems like he came up with that off the cuff. He's good in the
1: Star Wars prequels, which is... Bana- like, he's not great because you can't do – Mace Windu is not a character. It's like he, – George Lucas was like, I want you to have a green sword or a blue sword or whatever. And he's like, I'm going to have a purple sword. And that is, like,
0: doubling the amount of characterization just right there. Um, I mean, if you look into that, like, it is – we're not going to get into that. But it is, like, textbook George Lucas, like, tokenism, like – Yes. Um. And they he that's all he does for him is like you you're a cool black guy that I can use to de- deflect racism charges.
1: So Samuel Jackson a is a workman actor. He never stops working. He loves it. I don't even know if he owns a home. Maybe as an investment because like he just like he just like doesn't stop making movies. There is kind. Of I would go always... as far to say that he can't stop, won't stop. I I would not be surprised if he's one of those actors that lives in hotels because he just like. Doesn't have time to be home. Yeah, uh, he maybe has a home for like his wife and kids or whatever. I don't know much about his home life, but like he's just a dude that's always, 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 always working. Let's
0: stock him forever. And Let's stock
1: him forever. And I think the so the argument that I would make, uh and I don't know if I necessarily think that this is like soundproof, but because there's no such thing really as the best actor, so like saying the best movie. But my argument that I would make.
0: Even though I said I don't know if he is, I don't have a, I don't have another answer for you. So it's not like I have someone in mind. So like so, so like one version of our best actor is like a
1: Daniel Day Lewis, where he only does select roles, but like nine times out of ten, he's amazing, right? Because he only does nine roles, and one of them is nine. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what Samuel Jackson does is he shows up. He elevates every last movie he's in. He does a nice mix of projects where he does trashy pulp, he does straight to video stuff, he does um, more respectable mid level Hollywood budget stuff, and then he also does like Oscar level stuff, really well respected stuff. Um, like uh, one of my favorite performances of him is in this script from Cormac McCarthy that was turned into this like HBO uh, HBO play play movie, basically called uh, Turbo Sun- Sunset Limited. Uh, not turbo uh, voice? <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure he was great in turbo and super distinctive because it's sam l jackson um but it, i bet he played a snail but sunset limited he's this guy having this this it's a two-hander exclusively between sam l jackson and tommy lee jones going fucking nose to nose on why tommy lee jones shouldn't kill himself it's so cool and Samuel Jackson knocks it out of the park. He doesn't turn into a cartoon character. He doesn't, like, do anything, like... He, he doesn't do any big, like, silly, dramatic movements. He just, like, comes in. He grips you emotionally by being super believable. And then with, like, the flash of, like, a, a, his teeth, like, the flash of his eye, he can br- put you on his side. Like, and he knows also how to subvert that when he wants to play an ugly character, like in um, in uh, Django. In yeah, Django, I was gonna say, that,
0: that was... That was the movie where you get so comfortable with Samuel L. Jackson playing Samuel L. Jackson in all his movies that like – seeing him in Django, it felt like it was like – you get so used to how good of an actor you're seeing that you you are shocked when that actor can like show you a side of himself that he's never – He's never done before, which uh, Tarantino, you know, used to great effect in that movie. He's like, oh, Samuel Jackson. He's your he's your buddy. He's your guy. He's he's charming. Uh, he's gonna be there for you, and he subverted that very well. You know, like video games, like Deus Ex or something. There's like a a, a
1: universal key or something you can use one time to get in any door, and like you have yeah. seven of them or whatever. Uh, Samuel Jackson is like a universal key. Like if you have a role, a role you can't figure out, or you've got like a role you don't know if he'd be right for, or whatever, just
0: just pop him in. He, he will work. He's he's just this like. It is true that I've never heard anyone say, "Oh, Samuel Jackson was not right for that role," <laughs> because all the roles that he is he's in becomes a Samuel Jackson role. So. He is like – he absorbs – he basically like absorbs the life energy of the role to the point where you're like, oh, yeah, no, that was great for Samuel L. Jackson. I literally can't see anyone else in it because it was Samuel L. Jackson.
1: It's so bad though that like sometimes uh, I'm watching movies and I'm like, you know, Samuel L. Jackson would have knocked that out of the park. Like I I just think he is – I think he is our – Best actor by a certain metric that I just measured that he can fit in anywhere. He can do really high performances, really low performances. And in this movie, he shows off everything that he's got. He's super funny. He's vulnerable. He subverts his own image a couple times. He's like actually kind of like getting stepped on by Gina Davis when she's playing Charlie.
0: Yeah, which is so perfect because I'll buy it. This movie features our best actor. Um, and it balances that by also uh, featuring our worst actor, a man by the name of Craig Bierko. The
1: Bierks! <laughs> Bee City!
0: Uh, I made I made a list with seven complaints about this
1: movie. Uh, two of them are- Five of them Craig Craig are Bierko. Craig
0: Bierko. <laughs> he has five appearances. All of them are worth uh, complaining about. It. So let me tell you my history with, uh, with good old Craig Bierko. So a little movie called The Thirteenth Floor. Have you ever
1: seen it? Uh, never seen it. It's sort of a Matrixy movie, right? Like a mind bender. I think it came
0: out pre-Matrix. I want to say, but it's like of the era, right? It's yeah. It's if it if it wasn't pre-Matrix, it was like two weeks after the Matrix came out. Um, and I loved that movie uh, conceptually, uh, scene wise. It got me with its twist. Really liked it could not believe that they had that bad of an actor in a in the leading role uh, Craigie B and it was unnerving it was it was so bad I think probably when I saw it I didn't I was like man that was bad. I guess I don't understand acting because how could that have how could this man be in a movie um, and be that bad? I must not understand what he was trying to do. And everything that I've ever seen him in, I've had a weird fascination with Craig Berko, uh, especially because he's he's literally been in almost nothing. But he was he was like at a perfect time in my life where I saw him in like four things in a couple years and I was like, "Why does this guy work?" One of those <laughs> movies was was this um yeah, he was in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas for like a second, one of those one scenes. But he was bad in that, as I remember. And he was in uh, Sour Grapes, the uh, Larry David, uh, a written and directed movie that Larry David himself says is terrible. But he was like opposite Steven uh, Weber as like the the main character, one of the brothers. And he's fucking terrible in that movie as well. So, for you know, it's that thing where all of a sudden this guy is everywhere In stuff you're watching and you're like what is happening and then he essentially disappeared uh he was on a short-lived fox tv show that i watched in like 2005 terrible in that too and he shows up here and there but seriously like like he's not that like i don't know he doesn't seem that handsome handsome to me at best he seems generic handsome he must have just had a really good agent for like a couple years i i don't know he he's uh charisma-less Uh, it's not
1: that he's, it's not that he doesn't have a handsome face or whatever. He doesn't have like a handsome build. It's that he's charisma less. So like he, he has a very, uh, and I say this as someone with an irritating voice. He has a very irritating voice. He's, it's sort of, um, sounds like a teenager pretending to be an adult. Uh, it's, it's, uh. I don't say this to insult the man, but, like, we're in the middle of insulting it. Uh, I say it to insult the man. Um,
0: Thank you. uh, That's that's my Christmas present.
1: But he just doesn't know how to modulate well. Um, He is, I think, the ultimate argument that Shane Black is – a um get it or you don't get it screenwriter you can find people like Gina Davis who 90% of the time get it you can find people like Samuel Jackson who can make anything work you can find people like Robert Downey Jr who feels fucking made for the dialogue like that sense of smug sarcasm but like you don't entirely hate the character because he's funny yeah craig bierko feels like the ultimate argument that like you can't just hand shape like shane black can never write community theater (laughs) no (laughs) you can't you can't just like hand his dialogue to anybody it will fall apart
0: don't worry he is bad reading anyone's dialogue i and i think that's why we kind of had a conversation pre uh pre-air about whether whether the, the Jeannie Davis's kid was supposed to be his daughter, and I think a hundred percent was supposed to because their their eyes look the exact same. She says look at the eyes and they have the exact same color eyes and Peter, uh, because he was watching a inferior uh standard definition version. I'm assuming, and I don't mean this as an insult to you, uh I'm assuming that you thought that he – she was fucking with him because Craig Bierko is so bad at selling sudden realization that that's his daughter that you are like, well, obviously that's not what's happened here because I understand what an actor would do to indicate with his uh, face and (laughs) eyes and other things that he has just been dropped a bombshell. Instead, he goes like – I was about to do a face on this podcast, forgetting where I was. But he does like a, he's like a, what? I was sticker stinker face. That's, maybe that's why I'm going to leave. Maybe that's why I didn't get it. I think that is. I think that's honestly why. And it's not even your fault. It's fucking Craig Bierko's
1: fault. Uh, the Bierkster uh, let me down. Because I think that that would have been a really creepy scene. and would have hit me really hard if he was like, that's probably my daughter. Whatever. I thought the intent of the scene was that. Gina Davis was saying, this is your daughter and just the act of looking into a child's eyes long enough, regard like she knows it's not his daughter, but the act of looking into a child's eyes long enough implies that like he'll maybe un- have a sense of understanding. Like nobody could look into a child's eyes long enough and, you know, go and kill that child, right?
0: Yeah. And maybe I am off base. I mean, my 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 argument is only because... I mean, their eyes were like – they're like an olive brown and it's a specific type of color and it's clearly like – I kind of actually rewound and paused and I'm like, OK, what – are they trying to – because I was trying to be clear and I'm like, OK, well, it must – it must be that. Like, why would you go to the trouble of making these – eye the eye color identical or casting someone or – you know putting lenses in whatever it was if you weren't trying to imply that and if that might have worked well on a big screen easy to get lost in when you're watching this on VHS because again Craig Bierko does not does not sell the conflict of oh shit that's my daughter oh shit it's too late for me to change course in any of this because literally there's a timer that's going to blow up this town fuck uh i can't process this i'm just going to go ahead with the plan and try to dismiss it like you can tell a little bit. That's what he's trying to convey, and instead, it's it's um, Ryan Reynolds and Van Wilder being like rejected for a date levels of emoting.
1: So I think, and uh, so there's a question to be asked: if their eyes are so close, uh, do you think they cast uh, Craig Bierko or the daughter first? And I think that uh, Craig Bierko is the worst actor in this movie, but the daughter is a close second. Yeah, I mean. Kid actors are tough She's no Mara Wilson She's not in She doesn't have much dialogue So She has a very important Bit of dialogue That I want to get into That I really do not like Where she says Thank you for letting me know Craig Bierko Is My father (laughs) She's like I could have died Without knowing that Thanks mom
0: what, uh, what's the, oh, I know what line you're talking She's about.
1: She's like, life is pain. She like takes like a not great dialogue section from earlier in the movie and then, uh, throws it back at, uh, Gina Davis who is laying down for seemingly no reason. Uh,
0: it's just a, it's a bad moment overall. It's, it's weird. And my guess is it comes from Rennie Harlan changing the ending because Samuel L. Jackson was supposed to die in Chain Black script. Um, and that didn't test well, and they kind of plugged in a new ending. So all of that, uh, it feels very un-Shane Black-y. Um, And then it also – I don't feel good about saying his last name with an EY, even though it's someone's last name, just FYI. <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, it's it it feels very tacked on, and it doesn't feel like the level of wit that Shane Black um, brings to it. And obviously, Rennie Harlan did change the ending uh, considerably, so – if I'm going to take a guess, I would say that that's – that was his like, oh, instead of the pain of losing Samuel L. Jackson, the mom's fake dead for 10 seconds. Can I talk briefly about the Samuel L. Jackson thing and
1: how he uh, – how much I love their relationship? The first thing yeah. that we see him do basically is he he's uh, screwing over a guy in um, a little con game and then we think he's going to try and screw over Gina Davis And then instead of watching him be conflicted about whether or not to screw up Regina Davis, we see him with his son, who he's like, you know, the mom doesn't really like him around. Um, I don't know if he like cheated on her or maybe he was a shitty dad before. Do you have a
0: a theory on what? It just strikes me as those kind of like, divorce was huge in the 90s. But um, it's such a rhythm in these movies that I guess not inferring necessarily from what's on screen here, but just from watching a lot of movies in the '90s, where divorce was usually a, a major or minor plot point in in half the movies I watched, it's I think it's the uh, wife divorced uh, dad because dad, um, her husband is you know kind of a scammer and a shitty guy. And I wasn't mean, he's going to jail. Right?
1: We find out, he yeah. To so
0: jail. that and you know, but he wants to be a good father, wants to see her, but obviously. You know, she kind of rightfully is probably holding things close to her chest because it's like, look, you could disappear at any time. You could go to jail. You're not to be trusted. You know, I want my daughter uh, to have a relationship with her dad. Um, but – son- is it son? That's son, son right? yeah. Son. I want – I want uh, – I want. you know, I want this person to have a relationship with, with his dad but i also don't want my son to be hurt in like one of the worst ways you can be hurt by having like a parent abandon you whether um on their own accord or just disappearing because of you know decisions they've made in their in their life so that's that's it that's the way the whole thing reads to me uh it does open the scene though uh with him describing a toy a kid's toy to his son mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite moments Uh, In the movie, uh, because he is clearly just looking at the box and, like, trying to uh, surmise from the artwork on this, like, Milton Bradley game, what's all the different characters and what's going on in the board game. And it made me wish for a movie where Samuel L. Jackson just uh, describes what he thinks children's toys are uh, by
1: looking at the boxes. It does sound roughly improvised because it's a very cute scene after showing samuel jackson in such a grody scene where he's like drinking in this like gross ass apartment after he just screwed a guy out of some money after he wanted to sleep with a prostitute or whatever it's a it's a it's pretty uh it's a pretty sweet moment and it's a very shane black moment to be like uh you know i know i just show this guy's a scumbag but like actually he might not be (laughs) He's not an irredeemable scumbag. No, he has a lot of great lines in the movie, too. Like uh, when he's, Gina Davis is like cold in the car and he's like, he, he's like, the, you can hit that switch right there for the heat. And then she goes to reach for it and he's like, but it won't do anything. It makes a really loud yeah. annoying noise that distracts <laughs> you from how cold you are.
0: Yeah, it's a great line. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then he has a really great serious line, which is, I think it might be after Charlie uh, hits on him. He goes, oh, yeah, he goes, uh, it's two days till Christmas. Call your kid. Because she yeah. has uh, – Samantha has, has become Charlie whole. Samantha has to be, you know, to become herself or some conglomeration between the two. She has to go full into Charlie, you know, maybe just to survive. And um, she basically purposefully abandons her, her family for a little bit. And he helps get her <laughs> yeah. back on the level.
0: Yeah. That, you know, no, don't don't use me as a way to deal with your – Pain, like you are a person who I respect and who I've gotten to know. Like, you are going through a tough time. I'm going to be your friend. Um, and he gets a great ending, uh, too, where he gets interviewed on Larry King because, uh, Charlie told the president, uh, what a role he played. And so in this, in this, in stopping this incident that everyone, uh, gets reported on the news, so he, he gets a, he gets a nice little triumph at, at the end where he gets to, his kid gets to see him on TV, basically, um, Getting congratulated by the president for saving this this town. So that's a that's a great little, you know, nothing too obvious like getting back together with uh with his ex-wife or anything <laughs> like that, but just just like some, you know, probably
1: felt pretty good for him. It's a pretty good Shane Black line. He says, I've always tried to be frank and earnest oh. with women. In Chicago I'm Frank, and in New York I'm earnest. <laughs>
0: Yeah, not surprised. Fucking Larry, uh, not Larry David. Larry King loved that line. Yeah, um,
1: and it's it's. Um, and he also has a great line um, where he says at one point, "It's like you don't need me anymore," which is really putting uh, a a you know a dot on the fact that like the movie really doesn't need him anymore. And then he finds no. use at the end of the movie because like eventually. She is following the leads. He has nothing else to offer. He's not yeah. a good shooter. He gets a gun taken away from him by Brian <laughs> Cox at one point. And He's, he just yeah he
0: explodes out of the building is the only reason that he gets out.
1: Yeah. Again. And it's a uh, it's, it's a pretty, pretty great line because it's the it's Shane Black saying
0: what the audience is thinking.
1: But um, so what do we what do we, we want to move to final scenes?
0: Yeah. The the only real thing that. I really love that we didn't get a chance to talk about is so Charlie and Samuel Jackson right after he becomes Charlie they get a lead that her kid is being held at this like house out uh out near the border of Canada and like upstate Michigan and they they go and they look and it looks like this like extremely idyllic house the type of thing you've seen in a ton of movies where um Kidnappers like take a kid to a remote location and await orders in like uh, one of those hotels where you basically just get a cabin. You don't even get a fucking room. Like, here's your cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm making that sound bad, but it's, it's really nice. It sounds nice. really nice, yeah. It sounds great. Uh, but just, uh, yeah, you get, you, you get, take your fucking cabin. cabin. Um, we don't even want to look at you l- in you the hallway. You like it. You enjoy this resort, um, but it's you know, but it's a very common scene from movies. And Shane Black has a great subversion of it, where she is about to go break in and kick, and all of a sudden, all these floodlights come out, and the the cabin is actually like almost part of like a set that they've like set up a whole military around to trap her to come there, and that was how they were going to get her. Which is which is so again. We've said it so much this month. Shane Black knows what movies we've seen. He knows what we're going to expect. That scene of the remote location has happened a million times. What would you not expect? Not just that they were ready to trap her, but they basically created an inescapable trap by having hundreds of military dudes and floodlights and, like, fucking military vehicles all around, like – they they trapped her so big and so huge that it wasn't even a cabin to begin with, which again, such a – Shane Black is a good <laughs> writer. Yeah, he's a good writer that has gotten lucky enough
1: to have scripts that didn't have to be compromised because of budget that much. A smaller budget would not have allowed for that at all.
0: Yep. Um, <laughs> sort of a weird compliment you're giving him like, oh, yeah. Rich kids have <laughs> <laughs> all the luck.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying, it's nice that he was able to get as far yeah, as nice. he was and got to actually like live out some of his his crazy ideas on on film. Like my favorite well, my favorite scene in the movie is David Morse is interrogating oh, him. Yeah. Uh, Daedalus is interrogating uh, Charlie, uh, and it's her awakening scene. Um, and there's a really great intro monologue where like Craig Bierko and David Morse are talking and David Morse is doing all the lifting. David Morse is really good at playing like a
0: creepy badass. Um, I think he only plays people that seem quasi innocent and are actually deeply evil men. Yes. Uh, and so much so that seeing this, I couldn't remember what he was because it's been so long since I've seen it but I'm like yeah but it's David Morris so he's definitely going to be a bad guy
1: oh for sure I think the first time I watched this I also went like
0: so uh when's
1: he gonna when's he gonna uh, you know uh, turn on her so he uh is on has her on a wheel and he's like lowering her into freezing water uh to interrogate her and uh she's it's one it's a really scary idea because she's being tortured for info that she doesn't have they think that she's already awakened she already or she's lying or something and then through this act she gets awakened and there's a really great reveal of brian cox as being dead in the water yep so uncomfortable because like a bloated body in the water is so ghostly looking it's like a it's a really great pulpy
0: genre moment it's quick too because we just saw him alive like we were like and and as i said earlier we assumed he was going to be a big part of the plot going forward shane black has done it
1: before in lethal weapon 2 that's how he discovers his girlfriend is dead um but it's really creepy in this because it's like this tight it's already a terrifying situation and it's just getting tighter and tighter and she gets awoken she finds a gun in the guy's coat and then kills uh Kills David Morris off of the wheel. Oh yeah, it's a very. There's a lot of dick gun stuff in this. There's also a line, another Shane Blackie line where he uh, Samuel Jackson doesn't put the gun in his belt, and she's like, "Why don't you put it in your belt or whatever?" And he's like, "You,
0: wanna, you want me to shoot my dick off?" She's like, "Oh, now you're a sharpshooter." <laughs> well, but that is true because Brian Cox says that earlier in the movie that he uh, they didn't find the gun because he keeps it in his in his uh, in his dick. Not in it, but in his underwear by his dick because homophobic people don't look there. So when she – so yeah, when she sees him dead, she goes right for that D. And it's straight from Kiss Kiss
1: Bang Bang. That's why they have the gun and the torture scene in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because – Yeah,
0: verbatim uh, from Gay Perry.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty great um, once you realize that – once it's pretty great once you realize that's the thing that Shane Black is like not just recycling
0: but recycling and it still works like a, a decade yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, because I, you know, when we were talking about Chain Black's break after this movie, um, before I watched it, I thought it was 1998 for some reason. I think that's when I, that, I think that's when I watched it. But this was 1996, so it wasn't a seven-year break between Kiss Kiss and and Long Kiss Goodnight. It was it was nine years.
1: Yep, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a long break. Uh, Aaron, do you have any other scenes that you uh,
0: are thinking of before we sort of move towards the end? I think that this movie takes a big important stand against the dangers of wearing your safety belt. Because one of the opening scenes when Jean Davis is driving home a guest from the party, well handsy guest, um she breaks fast slips on the ice and she's flow she flies out of the car um to safety because she wasn't wearing her seatbelt. And the guy who was a sexual assaulter, uh, dies in the car because he was wearing a seatbelt. And as we all know, the car explodes upon impact. So, important lesson for all you kids out there. Don't ever wear your safety belt. You'll be thrown to safety. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe learn cool things about yourself. And uh, you get to break a deer's neck with your bare hands,
1: um, which is uh, really what everybody how. Wants to spend their Christmas Eve doing. That's
0: what I'm going to do this year. That's what I did two days ago, depending on when this comes out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hope it's successful. I mean, I hope you have time between the horse torture to get a deer deer murder in there, too.
0: Oh, horse torture, of course. What did a I say earlier? Of course, of course, of course. Oh, torture <laughs> a horse, of, of course, course, of course. course. <laughs> oh, man. A <laughs> oh, oh, is Dad uh, this movie. A Morse. Hey, the morph, let's the just. Horse. F- Let's just fucking stop recording and go tour the country as better than Weird Al song parodists.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, oh. so yeah, this is a this is a movie that is good, and I like the movie, and it's good. What do you? So, uh, what are your final thoughts on the uh, kiss, kiss, the bang, bang?
0: Uh, well, I'm only going to give my thoughts on the on the kiss and the long and the good night and the Thumb. Um I my if you want to hear my thoughts on the kiss kiss and the bang bang, rewind the podcast to two weeks ago. I know how rewind works. Uh no, so I <laughs> We record I, these I, podcasts on one tape. <laughs> one one tape. We just add it to the preview. There's only one episode on iTunes. You just have to keep <laughs> fast forwarding. Uh it saves it saves time. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I really, really loved it this time. Um, I liked it before. As I said, I just – I don't think I gave it enough credit for how pulpy and fun and it really is this kind of amazing example of uh, Shane Black uh, leaning into his pulpier, exciting side of his writing. It was always present, but the buddy cop aspects because he's not trying to focus on equals as he was in Lethal Weapon, Last Boy Scout, other stuff and focus on you know Gina Davis's character with with Samuel Jackson in the true supporting role he allows it to be a more kinetic action movie first and it's wonderful Gina Davis is wonderful um it really is a shame on all of us as a culture that we saw this and thought this sucks and made literally everyone involved go away from the studio to the star to the director to the writer in some respects for, for a while because, you know, props to Renny Harlan and Gina Davis saying we need more uh, women led action movies and they made a fucking kick-ass one that is up there with some of the best action movies of the decade and everyone went nah not for me um and shame on everyone i guess because this this should have kicked off really a what they were hoping to do this was the movie to do it and unfortunately too many people were uh kind of making jokes about, oh, Rennie Harlan and Gina Davis from Cutthroat Island again? <laughs> nice try. Nice one. Nice try. <laughs> what if this guy was from New York? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> n- n- nice try. So it, suffer- it suffered a lot from following a kind of legendary flop and having the, uh, some of the same creative team involved and that. Sucks. And it also sucks that you cannot uh, stream this movie anywhere. You can't rent it on Amazon or iTunes or any of that stuff. Uh, We had to buy physical copies, which is fine. But it's it of all the movies to weirdly like keep guarded and make it hard to to see. Uh, I feel like this could easily find new life on a streaming service because it's unique, it's great, it's fun. It stars people who you still know their names because everyone knows who Samuel Jackson is, and most people uh, know who Gina Davis is. But not enough. Uh, so never know yeah,
1: enough, unless you're Jeff Goldblum or Gina Davis
0: or Rennie Harlan or Rennie Harlan or uh stuart little stuart little
1: uh little mouse big heart i have to say
0: she was in all three of those even uh the direct to dvd stuart little three and fun fact um, by fun i mean extremely sad she was in all three stuart little movies uh Those were 33% of all of the movies that she starred in from uh, Long Kiss Goodnight to Present. She's been in nine movies since 1996. 21 years later, three of those were Stuart Little movies. That is so
1: sad because she's so talented. And she's still really great when she pops up in stuff like uh, The Exorcist most recently. Um, I hope that she gets a little career resurgence the way – You know, occasionally, like, indie film has given uh, certain um, older actresses or older actors uh, a resurgence to, like, get a second chance where you're no longer being just put in that, like, oh, you have to play, you know, a sexy lady. So, you know, now that you're getting a little older, we're not going to put you in that role. We're going to put this 23-year-old in that role, like, that she actually could maybe get another career resurgence is an exciting thought. Yeah. that she is, for some reason, still saying sorry for a movie that came out in 1996. And, yeah. and yet, uh, Rennie Harlan is still act,
0: uh, directing and got to do like an Exorcist movie like six or seven years later is like, wow. Well, he got to do one after another guy was fired from an Exorcist movie and they're like, quick, who's around? Oh, wait, Rennie, were you here the whole time? <laughs> sure, you can do this, I guess. You can um, doing movies. Um, you can do the you can do the movies and the bang bangs and the
1: kisses and that's and that's what's most interesting about this is Rennie Harlan's uh, filtering of Shane Black. Shane Black is a uh, author that can be filtered in a lot of ways. Um, Rennie Harlan takes the arch sort of ridiculous uh, comedy elements of it and blows it up into this big like almost cartoonish level um, epic work with slow mo and, and big you know. Wirework action sequences Other directors would You know find the sweetness in his work Or find the meanness more And Shane Black
0: obviously I think found the meanness In his own work a lot more I think if we had structured the podcast Better for this month It would have made sense to be like Yep this is Shane Black is filtered through Richard Donner This is Shane Black is filtered through Rennie Harlan, and because we're smart people who make good decisions, now we're going to transition into Shane Black is filtered through Shane Black with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Iron Man 3, but we didn't at all. Uh, That was what happens when we had to
1: record episodes early for the month, and uh, that's when people could record, so
0: uh, it's the best we could do. So go back in time and pretend you're listening to those episodes anew yeah or just listen to them in whatever order you want um, or get a, or get amnesia or get
1: hamnesia that's when you eat too much ham and, and your knees hurt. And your knees uh... nailed it,
0: so guys. If you it's... didn't laugh at that one, remember it is Christmas, and I could appreciate some charity this time of year. We could,
1: we could all, we could all use a little helping hand this time of year. Um, for just five cents a
0: day, you can give a hacky Minnesotan a good laugh. Pictures of me in those ads would show that I eat too many sandwiches. <laughs> uh so actually actually
1: when um people nobody laughs at a person for years on end uh their stomachs start to bloat and distend that's not fat that's actually just their stomachs
0: bloating out that's honestly a relief (laughs) Um, so uh nothing i can do about it's out of my hands those are the problems i like uh As opposed to the ones that caused me to make changes and take action. (laughs) So, uh, thank you so much for joining us for a a very merry uh, Shane Black Christmas. Uh, We're coming at you hot next week with the best movies of 2016 with Joseph J. Finn. We're going to count down all of our favorite movies from the year that was 20. 16 we do not mean 2017 we specifically mean 2016. we haven't seen all those movies yet we saw all the 2016 ones and we're finally ready to talk about it because we are contemplative yeah or also contemplative <laughs> we will talk about
1: though we will talk about our methodology next week for that because we get into it a lot. We already recorded that episode. We get into it a lot why we are recording these episodes a year late and why we're choosing to do that. And we will not uh, change that order. Um, nope. And so stick
0: around next year for 2017.
1: Enough people give you best of uh, 2016 episodes at the end of 2016. Uh, we're nobody else gives you them at the end of 2017. S-
0: special so uh january to be honest since we are recording so early we have not locked down dates with our guests that month so we don't know the order but you will find out at the end of next week's episode but we are doing 80s fantasy month uh very excited to kind of change the pace and do some some movies that i think a lot of people will be excited about but we are going to be doing uh disney's the black cauldron uh, which I've never seen, Peter's never seen, uh, and also our first Disney animated movies, which feels like an appropriate choice to do the weird one that uh, almost shut down Disney animated studios, but that some people now like. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to be doing The never ending Story with Carrie Nelson. We're going to be doing the Legend, the Ridley Scott movie. We're going to specifically be doing the director's cut, which is unfortunately a little harder to get. But it is like um, some other Ridley Scott movies. It takes a good movie and makes it a great one, in my opinion. And uh, it was actually the first one I watched. I watched the director's cut first and uh, can totally see why that really changed the way uh, the movie works. So – uh, if you've seen Legend, you're still going to recognize a lot of stuff, but we are going to be specifically watching the director's cut. And then we're also going to be doing Labyrinth, the David Bowie, Jennifer Connelly movie, which I am um, I have never quite seen all the way through. I talked to Peter about this, but I have seen the beginning um, – hour like ten times because it was one of my friends go to after bar movies in college uh that they would they love to throw on and so I never made it to to the end and then never got because I'd seen the beginning so many times and the middle so many times I never really had the I never really um was like, oh I need to watch this. It was like, yeah I need to finish that at some point. It- it'll be there. So I'm very excited to complete the circle and probably get uh correct grief from people that hear that story about me and Labyrinth. <laughs> Beth Powder will be on our Legend episode, if I didn't say that.
1: That is 2017 for us. Uh, I almost said yeah. 2016 because I fucked my brain talking about the <laughs> best of 2016 episode. Uh Not confusing at all. Um, that is 2016. Uh Aaron? Thank you yep. so much for being a wonderful co-host for going through all these movies, good and bad, with me. And uh, yeah, love you, buddy. Hope you have a wonderful 2018.
0: Thank you. Yeah, no, you too. It's been great. It's our first full year. Thank you for um, for being my co-host through all 51 weeks this year. Um, it <laughs> really, really. was. I can't think of a better way to end the year than on passive aggressiveness. <laughs> no, I want to. I want to. I want to stop and be sincere for one moment. So. We did it last year. You can quit listening, uh, people, if you want. But no, this has been, um, this really was the first year where we had the whole co- the whole podcast in mind of how we were going to do it. It changed so much in our first, um, first few months. We got to do our 50th episode. We got to have our one year anniversary. It's insane to me that we're kind of approaching, uh, 100 uh, and, and two years. We've also tried to expand the network. We've done other stuff. It is, um, I am I am so proud to be your co-host not just not just that this is something I enjoy doing every Tuesday but proud to know you as a person uh proud to be your co-host and uh again congratulations for you too because obviously this was a big gear for you where you uh got engaged and I am I'm excited for uh, all the things that will be coming for us in 2018, both uh, from a podcast perspective but also and probably more importantly um, uh, your your impending marriage and my uh, second child. So big, big it's gonna be is coming. Yeah, I can't believe we're gonna hit 100
1: episodes soon. I mean that's the biggest one and then we can get syndicated and get paid. Yeah, I understand how podcasts work. <laughs> this is a tremendous uh, honor to have been able to do this with you, and uh, very, very excited for the future. I see no no end in sight uh, for uh, to our joy and to the uh, discomfort of our listeners. Uh, our reign of terror <laughs> to, the to, you, to the chagrin
0: to the chagrin of our listeners. Chagrin of our listeners. Uh, life changes aren't going to stop us, guys. No. And um, I want to say
1: the holidays sometimes can be kind of lonely for people. Um, so no matter what you're doing around these holidays, um, we uh, are really glad to have you uh, as listeners. And um, just know that uh, it's it's uh, nice to know that we have you know friends, weirdly enough, kind of all over the world at this point. Um, yeah, that uh, can listen in, and we can kind of share some time with, uh, even those can't be a you know, million way conversation between people, um, it, it uh, at least we can kind of sort of connect with people that are on the other side of the planet and they can, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a sweet thought, especially at this time of year where, uh, it, it can be a really beautiful time for people. It can be a really, really lonely time. So, um, thank you so much for listening.
0: Yes. Uh, have a wonderful holiday season, no matter what you're doing, and we'll see you next year in 2018 with an episode we recorded in September. We'll <laughs> <laughs> have all the sentiment. The same sentiment as this. It will not. We forgot to add any. Yeah. You know, just just take the sentiment and remember it for next week. Yes. <laughs> all right. Good night. Good night. For you to be me, be, near. be near
1: Hey, folks, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. If you want to get in touch with us, please reach out to us at either our website, WLTWpodcast.com, or our Facebook group, Facebook.com/We Love to Watch. And uh, yeah, reach out to us, give us some feedback, give us some support, uh, suggest movies for the show, all that. We are also available on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iTunes. Thanks for listening.